Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction News Roundup. All things impacting global supply chains this week. Hi, Tony Hines here. Please, you could join us on the Chain Reaction News Roundup. Well, lots going on in the supply chain world this week and in the news. All things impacting supply chains, of course. There are strikes in the ports in the United Kingdom and Liverpool, Felixstowe. There are strikes in the Royal Mail, which is stopping delivery services in the UK. And there are pending strikes elsewhere in public service groups. Teachers are thinking of going on strike too. So lots of things happening. It's a pretty, it's a disruptive period, I think. And lots going on in the markets, which is changing the mood of the nation. We've got inflation, we've got the falling value of the pound against other currencies, although that's recovered from its low. We've got the fourth Chancellor of the Exchequer in this year, and probably there's been three changes in three months now. So lots of instability. And of course, the change of government hasn't gone down well. People don't seem to like the new Prime Minister very much. They don't think she's capable. And lots of criticism coming in the press and from the financial markets about the actions that the government has taken since Liz Truss became Prime Minister and Kwasi Kartang, who joined her as Chancellor by invitation of the Prime Minister, has now departed. More about this later. So lots of stories, lots of things happening. And then there's all sorts of things happening around the globe, in the air industry, in aerospace, in the car industry, and elsewhere. So, stick around. Well, there are more strikes at Liverpool docks in the United Kingdom. The Unite Union, which represents the dockers, said about 600 port workers will walk out again from October the 24th to November the 7th. There's been industrial action over the past month or so. The owner of the port, Peel Port, claims it's offered pay rises worth more than 10% to the workers, but Unite says the rise was just 8.2%, and it's actually a real terms cut in pay because of inflation. The Unite General Secretary, Sharon Graham, said Peel Holdings is hugely profitable and can absolutely afford to pay our members a proper wage increase. It did so at Camelard, so why not Liverpool Docks? Camelard, of course, is the shipbuilding yard based in Birkenhead, just across the River Mersey from Liverpool. Instead of negotiations resolving the dispute, the company has chosen to threaten jobs and repeatedly misled about the deal it's tabled. So they don't believe that the deal is worth 10% claimed by Peel Ports. Dock workers are standing firm. The current industrial action began on October the 11th, and it's due to come to an end on the 17th of October, but will begin again on the 24th. The first strikes at Liverpool Docks took place on the 19th of September, and there was a picket line. Peel Holdings had announced it planned to cut 132 jobs, following a decline of cargo at the port. Liverpool handles more than 70 million tonnes of cargo from across the globe, and a large proportion of that is US cargo. There are also strikes at Felixstowe, 
the biggest container port in the United Kingdom, which is based in Suffolk. And so it's not a happy place, dockside at the moment. Food retail prices going up, inflation around, pushing up costs, pushing up interest. We still have the war in Ukraine and all the damage that that's doing to the world economy and, of course, to the people in Ukraine themselves. The new chief executives at Marks & Spencer have announced that they're going to close many of the stores, a large number of stores. Some of the spaces will be converted to Simply Foods, but they're reducing clothing and other parts of the portfolio. And that's to save in the region of £400 million worth of cost savings. The two recently appointed Chief Executive Officers, Stuart Macon and Co-Chief Executive Officer Katie Bickerstaff, are behind the move. It will result in a 20% reduction in retail space dedicated to clothing and home products, and they plan significant online growth. It seeks to have 180 full-line branches and 420 food shops in its portfolio. So this is a big transformation and it's likely to happen over the next three years. 104 more Simply Food outlets will open over the same period. And they're going to open in some of the locations where they're closing sites or where they're earmarked for closure. So they're changing the use of the space. They've got 67 lower productivity full line stores. And they'll close those over the next five financial years. So big changes at M&S. Well, what a week it's been in the United Kingdom. The Chancellor, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, Kwasi Kwarteng, went off to meet the IMF. And by Friday, he was back at home, flown home overnight from the US, and he was sacked and replaced with Jeremy Hunt, the former Health Secretary. So, complete chaos in the UK economy at the moment. And there's a U-turn on the corporation tax increase. That's going back up to the previous Chancellor, the one before Kwasi Kwarteng, Rishi Sunak's increase to 25%. It's incredible, really, because there's a lot of fuss about this particular tax. It's said this will save about £18 billion. But whether that's true or not is another matter. This is what the forecasters are saying. And pushing the tax up, of course, means that businesses will have to pay more tax, in theory. But most people say that the tax take won't actually go up that much. So, who knows? The Bank of England has stuck to its guns. It's bailed out the bond markets this week and tried to keep hold of monetary policy. But it's the fiscal policy that's a mess. And that's the government's responsibility. So I don't think we're any clearer about what's happening. We'll have to wait for it to unfold. Who knows if Liz Truss will still be Prime Minister in a week's time. We'll wait and see. Now, the other strange thing happening this week is that uh, Vladimir Putin has offered Turkey a state in the gas empire. I mean, how firm all this is, we we just don't know. Uh, Some strange things happening at the moment with... uh, Russia and its invasion of Ukraine and all the difficulties with gas. So there are promises and promises, but uh, not many seem to hold. But apparently Russia is willing to 
share the management of its gas resources with the Turkey president, President Erdogan. Russia intends to redirect supply of gas away from Nord Stream pipelines. Of course, not much has been flowing through there in recent times towards Turkey. It's the start of an arrangement that might give Turkey influence over the price of gas. I wonder how this squares with Turkey's want-to-be member of the European Union. They have special rights in that vein in any case. Um, But this might set the cat amongst the pigeons. Turkey had been a mediator in the dispute between Russia and Ukraine, and it did achieve one of the first diplomatic breakthroughs when it was able to influence Russia to allow grain exports from Ukraine back in July. But we'll have to see how things develop. Grain shipments are still moving, and Ukraine seems to be pushing Russia back towards their own borders. So we'll have to see what happens. This is causing a lot of disruption, as you'll know from the many episodes of Chain Reaction where I've discussed the supply of gas and the price of energy on world markets, and it's all influenced, of course, by Russia's position. There were some financial figures from Boots, the pharmacy company in the UK this week. Sales had grown by 15.2% over the three months to August, with trade having recovered from pre-pandemic levels. Online sales now account for 11% of total retail sales in the period, and they were just 6% pre-pandemic, so the online part of the business seems to be growing. Boots Pharmacy, not doing so well. The sales declined by 6.9% over that same period. And obviously, that's affected by the demand for COVID-related services, which obviously boosted that part of the business during the pandemic. The group has 2,100 pharmacies in the UK, employs more than 4,800 pharmacists. Footfall at Boots Branches was up 20% on the previous year. The parent firm is Walgreen, and they recorded a sales slump for the period. They also had an $800 million impairment charge related to the UK pharmacy chain business, and higher costs related to their restructuring plans. The managing director of Boots UK... Sebastian James, said the results were really encouraging. It was reported this week that China needs about 17 trillion, yeah, 17 trillion US dollars of green investment if it's to reach its net energy targets by 2060. It needs that investment in infrastructure for transport and technology so that it's green, and to keep those CO2 emissions down. So if it's to meet its net zero targets by 2060, $17 trillion is the estimate right now. IKEA's reported annual sales as prices increase, and the relaxing of pandemic restrictions has helped. But there are supply shortages, weak consumer confidence and the exit from Russia still causing cost issues. Inkar IKEA, franchiser for the world's biggest home furnishing brand, reported that sales in all stores 
and online grew by 6.5% in the past year, reached 44.6 billion euros. It's estimated that 822 million people visited stores around the world, which is up 6%. COVID lockdowns in Asia and especially China have held up production schedules, while, of course, the box issues and the pork congestions have also slowed things down. IKEA opened 52 new stores around the world this year, and it closed 17 of its stores in Russia after the invasion of Ukraine and the sanctions against Russia following that act of terror. The United States is ramping up sanctions against Russia. It's warned suppliers of ammunition to the military-industrial complex in Russia that they should stop supplies with immediate effect. Deputy Treasury Secretary Wally Adeyemo had a meeting with 32 countries and the United States to discuss sanctions on Russia and made it very clear that Washington will take action against those outside the United States evading the sanctions that Washington imposes. Officials at the meeting included representatives from EU countries, Canada, South Korea, amongst others, and they intend to target Russia's military-industrial complex because of the invasion of Ukraine. The Treasury Department in Washington said it's prepared to impose sanctions on those providing ammunition and other military goods to Russia as well as private military companies or or paramilitary groups participating or supporting the war in Ukraine. So it's ramping up. The pressure's ramping up on Moscow. Apparently the United States said that Russia's expending munitions at an unsustainable rate, and it's turning to countries like Iran and North Korea to get that equipment, including drones, rockets and artillery munitions. So it's a different sort of supply chain problem for the Russians, I think. Lots of pressure on them to uh, try and get hold of the ammunition and the military resources that they require. But the US is taking a hard line, along with its allies. Washington's already restricted semiconductor imports, which are critical to Russia's weaponry, by 70%. So let's see what happens next. Airbus and Qatar Airways are locked in a legal battle over the A350 jets supplied by Airbus. Apparently there's a flaw in the paintwork on the jets supplied and Qatar are saying that the jets are unsafe. Airbus, however, insists that the jets are safe. But this is costing a lot of money. The suit is worth $220 million in damages and another $185 million of credits against future deliveries, which was said to be paid in advance. It was part of an original deal started in 2007-2009. Airbus said it's seeking reimbursement and had sought details from the airline on how the money had been spent. Qatar Airways did not immediately respond to the request for comment. Be interesting, won't it? Going to be flying a lot of people to Qatar in a couple of months for the World Cup in football. So will they be on the Airbus A350s that Qatar Airways own or other airlines? Probably both, I suspect. But it's interesting when supply problems occur, isn't it? When you buy something and it doesn't always go to plan. 
So uh, I think this one will rumble on. It looks as if it's quite a complicated case. It's been announced that Qatar Airways is about to employ 10,000 people in advance of the World Cup in Qatar. United Airlines has or is nearing an order for more than 100 wide-body jets and it's evaluating offers for Boeing 787 Dreamliners and Airbus A350s. The deal could be announced in full by December, although there's no final timeline. It's a multi-billion dollar order and it comes at a time when international business travel is recovering. So it's planning for the future. There has been no comment from either Boeing or Airbus on this matter, and at present the order has not been placed. It's hoping that it will be settled by December. Now, you'll remember a few weeks ago I was telling you about Tesla's plans to produce cell batteries for their vehicles in Berlin and in other places in Europe. Well, some news about the Berlin plant. It's on hold. It's uh, at uh, Handersblatt. It's on hold due to technical issues. So the launch is going to be delayed until at least 2024, according to the German news. Nothing else emerging on that one at the moment. Other news about the Tesla owner, of course, Elon Musk. He's continuing with his takeover of Twitter. Still going ahead with that one. And he's announced this week that uh, he'll no longer be providing the star cover to Ukraine because it's costing too much. Apparently there are some papers that uh, have been seen where Musk has asked the Pentagon for financial support to continue with the Starburst program. But unless that's forthcoming, it will be difficult to continue with that. Hmm. Starburst, in case you don't know, has been quite successful apparently in giving communication facilities to the Ukrainian army. Now I mentioned right at the start of the programme about strikes and they're everywhere at the moment. The Royal Mail has 19 days of strikes in the next month or so, which is on the run-up to Christmas. And that's going to seriously disrupt the Royal Mail business in the United Kingdom. It's under severe pressure to save money because it's losing significant amounts on a daily basis. And Royal Mail has said unless the strikes come to a halt, they'll cost thousands of jobs. They've already made a statement that they will reduce the workforce by 6,000 this time next year or in August next year and they will possibly have to increase that number to 10,000 if these strikes persist. So that's quite a serious problem for Royal Mail. It made an operating loss of £219 million sterling. It sent the shares down of course in the in the business. They're about 10% lower. It's a great shame to see this happening and you'd think in this day and age, Royal Mail should be in a position to do well in the markets they operate in. But it's a very competitive marketplace delivering letters and parcels. 
The parcel business is in much better condition than the, than the mail business. And of course, so much mail these days is online in the form of email, electronic mail. So that business has declined over time. It's quite expensive to send physical paper by mail in comparison to digital communications. But some things are still required by paper and Royal Mail does a good job in delivering them. I hope this can be settled soon for everybody. India passenger vehicle sales doubled in September, or nearly doubled, to around 307,389 vehicles. So up nearly 100% from a year year ago, according to the Society of Indian Automobile Manufacturers. Now here's a strange comment from Vladimir Putin, President of the Russian Federation. He said on Friday, there was no need for massive new strikes on Ukraine. Russia was not looking to destroy the country. Well, they've done a pretty good job of destroying a lot of people's lives. Now, if any proof was needed that energy is still a dirty business, one only has to look at the coal industry and the disaster in Turkey in Hamasra this week, where 20 people were killed in a mining disaster. It was a methane explosion about 300 metres below the surface that ignited. So, a very sorry business. But it proves how difficult conditions can be to get the energy we need. Now another interesting story in the car industry this week was emerging and that was about BMW's decision to stop production of the Mini, the iconic English car. The Mini has been produced at Cowley in Oxford for many years. Apparently the new boss of Mini, Stephanie Verst, wouldn't give a date for the return of electric minis to Cowley. And it's looking likely that production goes to China. Production is to end next year as part of plans to reconfigure the car makers lineup from 2024. This could be damaging, of course, to the UK's zero emission targets for climate change. And it would mean that both the Mini, produced by BMW, and of course the Honda plant in Swindon that moved out of that factory in 2016 have severely diminished capacity for car production in the United Kingdom. BMW make 40,000 electric minis each year at the Cowley factory near Oxford. 3,000 jobs were lost when Honda moved out of the UK back in 2016 and this would mean more job losses but that hasn't been specified yet as to how many that would be. Quasi Kartang, the previous Chancellor of the Exchequer, for a few weeks at least, had pledged that the electrified automotive industry would be the front and centre of Britain's Build Back Better. Oh, something else that hasn't materialised. Well, that's it for this week on The Roundup. I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope you've learned something by listening. If there are any episodes that you haven't 
yet caught up on, particularly the Casino Economics Edition or Supply Side Economics, they're both still available on the website, so drop by and pick those up. I'm sure you'll find those interesting if you haven't already listened to them. And by the time I join you next time on the Roundup, I just wonder if Liz Truss will still be Prime Minister, and indeed whether Jeremy Hunt is just moving into number 11 Downing Street to see what it's like to live there for a week. Perhaps he's not got long either. I don't know. But uh, we'll find out, won't we? So stick around and I'll see you next time. I'm Tony Hines. You've been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast News Roundup. Bye for now. Chain Reaction Podcast was written, presented, and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains and we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.